Hello. Um, I just want to apologize because I think I've forgotten something, right? But I'll tell you the little story about it. I've sowed a lot of seeds. An awful lot of seeds that have actually produced rather a lot of beautiful flowers. And uh, I was in the garden last night because Bill said to me, he said, um, he said, uh, I can't wait to see the garden. So we got in, he disappeared. He was looking at the garden. I thought, I need to go and look at the garden. So I went and looked at the garden and I saw these beautiful, beautiful flowers that I grew from seed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I even saw some beautiful dahlias that I'd grown from tubers put tubers in the ground, and they grew. Thank God for the wind and the rain and the warmth that's helped them to grow. But they are beautiful, and they smell so very lovely. And I walked around the garden last night, and I thought, oh, I could pick a few of them, and I could have sweet peas. I could pick some mallow. Oh, we could have mallow. And I thought of all the different flowers that I was going to bring to stick them in little vases across the front to show you how beautiful they are. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. How many seeds have you sown with your life? What seeds have you sown with your life? Because we sow, we reap. We reap what we sow. We sow, we reap. And, um, and it's a big challenge to me, that scripture. In Galatians, you reap what you sow. And I think right now, at this moment, have a little think about the seeds we sow because in line with the seed the physical seed that I've actually planted a long time ago I made a choice to sow seed with my life and sow the seed of the gospel to any life that I met and I'm not talking about speaking about it because I think not always do you have to speak the gospel you have to live it Because the gospel is the word and the word is Jesus. And Jesus Christ was sent to the world, flesh, God himself in the flesh, to make a difference in the world. And I wholeheartedly stand by and believe what Kate said about something about a man that impacts lives. And our life should be no different to Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson is a human being like you and I. And wherever we go, wherever we set our feet, remember, God says that he gives us that ground. If you read a little bit of Joshua 1, he goes before us and he prepares that way for us to go. And we have seed and it's in us and the seed of the gospel. I have absolutely loved this week because there were two people at the conference that... um, Um, I was looking forward to listening to, but I wasn't really aware of what they would bring because I am passionate. I suppose I was a little bit with Bill Johnson because I, I, I listen to him sometimes. Um, and I, and I like 
the way he loves God and he honours God. And in doing that, he has been used greatly by God because he's determined to be in God's presence. And being in God's presence allows him then to function as God wants him to function on the earth to see the kingdom of God come in and through his life because he transforms situations, circumstances. And so uh, what I'm, pa- I'm passionate about the gospel and I'm passionate about the presence of God. And I've been talking about it for months because I think it's what impacted me all the years ago when I gave my life to Jesus, okay? It was his love. His love impacted me that much. His goodness, his kindness, his grace and his mercy impacted me that much that it may cause me to want to change. And so every day of my life, there's change because God's the only one that doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. Does he want us to change? Absolutely, definitely, because he wants us to become more like his son, Jesus. And that starts on the day we repent. We say sorry. We ask for forgiveness. When we understand who God is, the father of all creation, when we understand his beautiful, amazing, big, 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 big plan, that he would send Jesus' son to the earth so that he could get our attention because it's through Jesus Christ, the son, that we have life. He died that we could have life. He died, he didn't stay dead, he rose again and he revealed himself to his friends just to prove it and then he ascended at the right time into heaven to be with the father at the right hand of the father. He was so good to us, he was so kind to us, he loves us so much that he was determined not to leave us on his own. And so he chose, in part of his plan, was to choose never to leave us alone because he's true to his word. And he sent us the, a companion that is a, a companion that I don't think, if you're a Christian, you can live without. And that companion, that paraclete, that person that walks alongside you, that dwells in you, that you host the presence of, is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of Almighty God. And the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in every one of us if we have given our life to Jesus. How many of you have given your life to Jesus? Then live it out. Then live it out properly, honoring your God. Remember what Ellie said this morning. I'm encouraging you, by the way. It's up to you what you do with what I say. It's up to you how you take this. But I love God enough. I've made a decision this morning when I got up that I am going to be true to me, to him. And if he says, speak, I'm going to speak. If he says, shh, I'm going to, shh. And we need some of that, don't we, Bill? I do, don't I? You know? But it's true. I went this week to Hillsong It's a highlight of my year. I do an awful lot of things that I love. 
I like talking to people. I love going into schools. I love talking to teachers. I love talking to head teachers. I like talking to people I don't know. I like being able to sow seed to impact a life. Some of the seed that I think God gives me to sow sometimes isn't always good. Because I think some of the seed he challenges me to talk about sometimes and to share is sort of stuff that sort of challenges. Because I think every area of my life is seed to sow. My experiences, they do something. He uses them for his glory. What's life about? It's not about Ellen anymore. Of course, Ellen is important, just as you're important. But what matters is that I glorify my God. I give glory through my life to my king because of what he's done for me. So I look forward. Thank you. You know, Dan and Rian have gone to Hillsong for a lot of years. And a few years ago, there was a challenge. Why don't you come? Or actually, it was so good, I I chose, I think we should go. And Bill and I snuck off on our own. And we spent time hiding in a crowd of 20,000 people. I don't know what it was, but a crowd. Nobody knew us. And it was good. But you know, there's something that just I get, I look forward to. But you see, I didn't really know what was coming this week. And I'm going to use a little bit of an illustration of journey to tell you, to explain to you why I dig my heels in even more. That I will be able to share the gospel and to rest in his presence and that the presence will truly be exhibited through my life, that I'll bring glory to him. Let me tell you a little bit about my journey, okay? This week, when I looked forward to it, I so looked forward to this week. I was like, couldn't wait. We had, um, we were out with the families that we were with and we, um, we went to uh, the Maritime Museum, which Bill loves. And it was in, <coughs> in that museum when we, I think it was there, wasn't it, when we had a call? We had a call from Josh. Bill had a call from Josh that Julie was failing and that it wasn't good news. It wasn't going to be good. And uh, Bill got off the phone and told me. And... Uh, It broke me. It got to me. Because uh, I don't know, really, if anybody does know the depth of relationship that we had as friends and colleagues. And uh, for 13, 14, I don't know, years, we have talked nearly every day. <clears throat> Until last September when she was gave me a sick note for one month, which was unheard of. That was not Julie. For me, when I got that sick note, it caused me to ask questions. Because I thought, my goodness, this is not okay. Because that doesn't happen in this life, right? So anyway, we have this news. And, uh, and I walked away. I had some time on my own. Um, I, I was so upset. But then I found, I, I don't know why, but I think it's because God wanted to show me something. I then th- didn't realize how sad I was. And I think I put back inside my emotion 
right? And so Bill then is in touch with Josh and Martin through the days. And on Wednesday morning, we woke up to the call that told us that, G- that Julia died and passed. And um, I suppose a part of me expected it. I didn't like it. I was upset. Okay. And I really couldn't understand why we were in London. Why? Why were we there? Why were we here? <laughs> this is stupid. And um, I couldn't understand it. And I asked loads of questions. Why? And I kept saying to Bill, we need to go home. Why don't we go home? And he said, I don't think it's right to go. Martin was okay. These were managing it. Everything was fine. I think if we'd had a car, we might have been in the car. But we didn't have a car. We didn't have it. Okay? So this happened, all right? And then, then on the Wednesday, Bill was telling me that I was saying weird things and doing weird things. And speaking inappropriately, and and I was rude. And I thought, I didn't mean to be rude. I don't think I snapped at you. I think I responded to you. And I was like, and I was in a, I was in a pickle. And um, and we went into the meeting, and I couldn't connect. And I was so disappointed because I so looked forward to it. I couldn't connect to anything. It was like I was here and it was all there. And I didn't understand. And it just to cut a long story short, in the afternoon we chose not to go in to the meeting. And we we went and we well I walked off because I was so in such a mess. I was hurting. And I was so hurting inside. And all that could come out of my mouth was things that wasn't very nice. But I didn't realise the connection between the hurting and what was coming out. Now, now I do. And if I think about it, I know that that happens. But I couldn't connect with it at that point. I don't know if that's fair to say. And Bill just kept on pursuing me. And it was like, I don't want to say anything. Because everything he said, I was reacting badly. And it was just not happening. It was not because what was happening was now coming between us two and it was not good. And it was horrible. And in the end, through Bill's pursuing of me, and because he did, because I said, I want to go for a walk and I want to be on my own. I need to be on my own. And I thought I'd walked off and he wasn't around. But there was a part of me that knew that he would be because he said a long time ago that he wouldn't leave me but I was around a corner and was I going to go back around that corner to see if he was there oh no because I didn't want him anywhere near me because I needed space okay (coughs) then a moment later who comes up to the bar next to me to lean over looking at the Thames. It took a long time that day for me to get it sorted. But I thank God for someone who wasn't going to let me go. 
that God is never, ever going to let you go. No matter what you face, no matter what you go through, Catherine, your God will never let you go. He will never let you go. We then found ourselves, we didn't find ourselves, we went to find it, a beer, a cold beer, and somewhere where we could sit. And we sat, and Bill tried to talk to me, and I couldn't talk. I think something of my background has caused me to be um, closed, which isn't very helpful when you're with the one you love, when you're with your best friend. It's not very good. And so it took a long time for us to talk around the houses, for me just to realise that the pain, the pain and that what was causing me to be undone and to be not Ellen, as Bill said, this is not you, was the sadness of Julie's passing. But what was happening was we were looking all around the houses my walk with God, what's going on, you're not, you know, it's this, it's that, is it the other, is it the other, and it wasn't any of that, it was purely the sadness of a friend passing that caused my day, our day, to be a nightmare. just want to read something to you. Deuteronomy 32 says, listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words that I say. My teaching will fall on you like rain. My speech will settle like dew. My words will fall like rain on tender grass, like gentle showers on young plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He, he is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he? Now, I went after that because there was a statement that uh, Brian Houston said. And he said, ascribe greatness to the Lord. And I remembered years ago back in Plymouth, a song that we used to sing was ascribe greatness to our God. And I would want to, I want to sing it, but I don't think I can do it. But it's ascribe greatness to our God, the rock, you know? And it's, and so it says, verse three, it's in another, in, in the New King James, it says, for I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. Ascribe greatness to our God. Ascribe greatness to your God. Give him all the glory. Give him all the praise. Give him all of your life. The gospel, the gospel is the truth of the word of God. The gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he changes atmospheres. He changes situations. He changes lives. He does it in the way we think. He changes the way we think. And if you're still thinking bad thoughts, let him in. You see, what that pain did was cause an awful lot of conflict here. And I realized 
Um, and I'm being vulnerable, but I don't mind being vulnerable if it helps other people. Because I think God made us to be vulnerable, okay? Because we're encouraged to teach others what we know, okay? That's what Jesus asked us to do. To listen and obey and to teach others what we know and to share life with others. And I suppose our role, our role is to share and love each other enough that, that we will be vulnerable so that we can help others grow. I realized, Rian talked about it, and an illustration that Louis Giglio used was the table. And he sat at this table with his feast, and he had grapes, I think he had bread, he had a few other things, because he munched away at it, and it looked good. I like good food, and I could have sat at that table. And what he was doing was, and, I, and it all fell into place because the last few months, I haven't been able to get away from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because I think that God has been doing a work in my heart for a few months again now. And I didn't really realize what it was. And I do now. Because I think I had let unknowingly... Now, if I think about it, uh, let me say, if I, un, I think unknowingly, I allowed the enemy to sit at my table, right? God has given me, as a woman, a lot of tables to sit at. But the most precious table to be at is his, the one that he's prepared for you and me. And now I know it all clicked, it all fell into place, that I had allowed the enemy to sit at my table because over the past weeks and months there's been things happening that have triggered a response that's not what Bill knows of me it's grumpy it's sharp I've heard the word argumentative which I say I don't think I am but anyway you know all right okay but it, it, I think I can see over the months that God was trying to show me something to help me learn because my desire is the presence of the King. My desire is the presence of God. I love the Holy Spirit. I love him. I love him. I can't do life without him. So many Christians reject the Holy Spirit. I don't know whether it's because they, they've had funny situations I don't know if they've seen people trembling I don't know if they've seen people falling on the floor I don't know what it is can I tell you one thing that I wrote down fear repels the presence fear repels the presence that's one note that I wrote down and that struck me this morning Bill Johnson said it but it's true because if you fear you don't operate in the presence if you're afraid, if you're hurt, if you're in pain, all right, that's fear. It's coming from that place, okay? Hurt and pain comes from a lot of places, okay? My hurt and pain has come from rejection, okay? That caused me to act and be something that God never had created me to be. And so he's had to unpick my life to put it back together again, healed and whole. Now, when we're hurting, we end up doing things that we don't want to do. We can overeat. We can overdrink. 
And I'm not just talking water. Because you overdrink the living water. Well, that's just powerful. That's great. But if it's alcohol, if it's drugs, if you go there, it's come from a place of pain. Lack of understanding and not really understanding the consequence of what that has, what's gripped you. And there are chains around lives that God wants broken in the name of Jesus. There are chains that bind us. So that journey has been a journey whereby God truly wanted to unpick me to make me new and to make me whole. But that journey doesn't just stop. It continues every day of my life because my life with him is a journey. And every day he wants to purify my heart. Every day he wants to teach me something new. And so this week I find myself in a predicament where we go away looking forward to a great week with friends, with family, and especially with God in the middle of it. I was so looking forward to it. And then we get hit with this news that affected me in the way it affected me. And because I didn't think about how it would affect me, I let it affect me because stuff came out of here. It's very true. Hurt people hurt people. You need to hear that, church, because there are people in here that are hurting. And because you're hurting, you hurt people. You hurt the people that you love the most. How do I know this? Because I know that the predicament and the journey that I've been on has hurt someone that is my best friend. And we've had to journey this together and it hasn't been easy. Because some of the stuff I did and said and acted like and was going through, Bill has got to go through the... It affected him too because God doesn't only want to change me, he wants to change him. But you see, if we let the enemy have a foothold, if we let the enemy at our table, the robbing comes. And it's really weird because you, you just don't see it. You don't believe it. You don't comprehend that you're horrible or nasty or you're not very nice to be with. You just don't get it until the very presence of the king changes everything. One touch from the king changes everything. And some of you need to thank God for the grace in the people that surround you, that have put up with you. It's very good, isn't it? But, but seriously, don't lose the point. Don't lose the plot, you know. Some of you need to be really thankful for the grace of God that's been in the people around you. Because God has allowed them to be there in your life. Because you see, God, God, no, not God, Bill's pursuance of me enabled me to get to the bottom of it because he wasn't going to let go. He was not going to let go because he knew something was going on that wasn't okay. I think some of us need to draw closer to God. Really do. Because God's on a mission for his kingdom to come. I read a scripture this morning and I'll read it to you and I'll wind up and close. It's Mark 6. Okay. 
It's Mark 6. He's, Jesus has fed the 5,000. Jesus has walked on the water. And it's verse 53. When they arrived at Gennesaret, on the other side of the lake, they anchored the boat and climbed out. The people standing there recognized him at once and they ran throughout the, throughout the whole area and began carrying sick people to him on mats. Wherever, wherever he went, in villages and cities and out on the farms, they laid the sick in the market plazas and streets. The sick begged him to let them at least touch the fringe of his robe and all who touched it were healed. One touch from the king changes everything. And I felt that the word that I was to express today was about the touch from the king. Let Jesus touch your pain. Yeah? Because he'll heal you. Let him touch a broken heart because he'll heal you. Let him touch the pain of broken relationships because he'll make you whole. And he'll show you things in and through that, those circumstances and situations. Maybe some of you need that touch from God because of pain in your physical frame. Maybe you need to be healed of an addiction. Maybe you need to be touched by God in your self-worth because you can't respond like Ellie talked about. When people say you're special, you're loved, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Oh, you go, oh, it's not me. Yes, it is you. God has made and created you to be the best people on this earth. But we have to allow him to shape us and mold us and take us like clay and make us into those beautiful objects that he wants us to be, that he ordained that we would be when we were born. But because of circumstances, life issues, things that we go through, it shapes us. Some of it is good and some of it is not so good. But God wants to touch your life and my life because he's placed us on the earth for a purpose and that's for the purpose of the gospel, that the gospel would go forth, that you and I's life would sow seeds of life into other people's lives. You know? Sometimes you'll get the opportunity to sit with people and you'll be able to show them what the truth says in the word. But other situations are loving enough and caring enough to smile at people, are loving enough and caring enough to sort you out so that you can be the best that you can be to the people around you. And we need to be whole. We need to be in his presence we need to be people that will usher in his presence. We need to be people that host the presence. I was thinking about hosting because I do think it's something that we've done, we've done well here at Myrtle House in some of the things that we've done. And I've had to think about hosting Josh and the family and the wider family and the church for the celebration of Julie's life. And when you host something... You, I do anyway, I can't speak for you, but I have to speak for me, but I think it's what hosting is. That you do it to the best of your God-given ability. You host well. You do little things that make a difference. 
you do things that bless, that show care, that love. You give them really nice food that they'll enjoy. You give them nice treats that they'll experience and want to come back for. When you host something, you do it to the best of your ability. And so to host the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we need to be more open to the presence of God and more supple in his hands. We need ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. Because how can we think we have a word for anybody else, the church, the city, the nation, if you can't even conduct yourself in a good manner with the people that are closest to you that love you? You can't do it. Can I share one other thing that happened for me? On that afternoon, I sat with Bill and I talked to Bill and we chatted a lot until... I'd got my head straight and I knew what the pain was. The minute I knew what the pain was, it dissipated because I said, okay, Lord, that's what it is. That's all it is. Please heal me. Thank you for the experience of my relationship with Julie. I didn't want this to happen, but it has happened. God bless Josh, bless the kids, bless the family. But God, can you just touch this now? I went into the meeting, and I haven't told you this, but I stood in the meeting that night or that afternoon. No, it was the evening, in the evening, Wednesday evening. And I stood in the meeting, and um, I felt all these insecurities that I hadn't felt for years. I felt bare. I felt that in a crowd of thousands and thousands of people, that I could be seen. I felt vulnerable. I think I probably felt naked, you know. But I felt, I felt all these insecurities. I found I couldn't sing. I wasn't relaxed. I wasn't chilled. I was afraid I was going to fall over the edge. I was, all these stupid things were coming into my thinking. And then I had another little chat with God and said, what is going on here? What is going on? And I just began to talk to him again. And I found, I think, that it was the process that I was in. It was the process of the healing. Yeah? But I realized that you, we really need to let him walk us through the journey of whatever it is he needs to touch. Because I needed to be filled. I needed more of him. After I'd said I was sorry. After I said, forgive me. I just needed to be restored, yeah? And I needed to be aware of his presence again. And even more determined that the next time I face something, I'm more true to what is really going on. Or I stop to think about what's going on. Yeah? And I think we all need to do this to be able to be people who host his presence. Yeah? I had an amazing text this morning from a school teacher. Some of you will know her. Some of you won't. She's one of my favourites in Stebbenith School. 
and it's Liz, Liz Jones. She's lovely, and uh, she's had her all of both of her children. I knew her when she was a student. I knew her when she came um, to um, and was a young teacher back years ago in Furness School, and she was so amazing on the piano with the gifting of music that she had, and I got to know her then. But then she got a job at Stebbenith School, and we knew each other and. Because of my relationship with Stephanie, it's sort of over 20 years. Um, um, the school has a special place in my heart, but I didn't realise really what what happens, you know. I, I do, but I didn't. Liz texts me to say, what I was trying, sorry, I lost my words. What you, when Liz had children, she brought them to the nursery. And they've been both through the nursery and she's very thankful for the work of the nursery and the staff. And she heard that Julia died. She texted me this morning and she said, and she said, I just want to say, I am so sorry. I found out yesterday, but I want you to know that my thoughts are with you all at Myrtle House. I hope you're okay. That's the result of seed sown. Not only by me, but a long time ago, I sowed seed. I seek to sow seed every day of my life with my life. But I've got to make sure that it's right. And I have someone who pursues me on this earth. God's given me Bill. Who's God given you? Because there's going to be a time where you need to be able to sit with them and God might use them to help you. Now, not all the time does God use someone like, who's, uh, you know, a lot of my journey, I work with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in my life. I respond to him. It's something I've fostered. I know when I'm convicted. I know when I step over a line. And we can have some real wacky times, me and Bill. Maybe because of Bill, maybe because of me. But we fling some stuff at each other. But I thank God that he gives us each other. Sometimes, sometimes, it's just us and him. Us and him. And we need to take up residence at that table that Rianne talked about. The table that God has prepared for us. And we need to take up residence there. And we need to not allow the enemy at that table. Because I think at that table, we understand what is right. At that table, we learn how to love. At that table, we understand what care is. At that table, we understand his kindness. A few weeks ago, I was looking out the window here and there was stuff going on in the garden and I felt reminded of the experience you had about who do you allow in your garden, you know, and God was talking to you about the enemy in your garden. I think this has got a little closer. It's the table now. And we, as a church, need to sit at the table with God that he has prepared for you and me. And we need to be honest. We need to be open. We need to be vulnerable. Because what that will lead to is knowing the heart, will, mind of God for this town. Actually come closer. You get to know his heart, his mind, his will for your life. As he renews your mind... So you know his will, his perfect will. Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
God is sick of religion. God is sick of selfishness. God is sick, I think, of those in his church that do this and don't do this. I felt reminded of a little song that I can sing. Is there a plank in your eye? Big enough to walk on, build enough, big enough to build a ship and make yourself a bonfire. Is there a plank stuck in your eye? Stuck, stuck, stuck. Don't point the finger, that's it. Don't point the finger at, what is it? Don't point the finger and say, oi, you're doing it wrong when, hey, hey, your own life is far from okay. Don't point at the speck in your brother's eye when there's a ruddy great big plank in your own. is A whopping great, it's not ruddy. Okay? So, we'll have a little sing song. One, two, three. Ready? Go. Is there a plank in your eye? Big enough to walk on, big enough to build a ship or make yourself a bonfire. Is there a plank stuck in your eye? Stuck, stuck, stuck. Don't point the finger and say, oi, this, you're, doing it. you're doing it wrong. So, hey, hey, your own life is far from okay. So, don't point, what? What is it? Don't say, what is it? Back in your brother's eye because there's a ruddy great big plank in your own. No, not allowed to say ruddy, okay? This morning, I got up. All right. And as I was coming in, I felt God said that that's a big distraction for his church because we look at everything else we don't like. We talk about everybody and anything because their life's not right. And I felt as though God wanted to challenge us to look at our own heart and be so very vulnerable, have enough of what's gone on in the past The reason I started that journey about an experience, the one with dad, was because I allowed God to touch my heart. Because I decided and I knew clearly that my heart wasn't in the right place. There was something that was not quite sitting right in my heart. And I wasn't loving people like God had caused me to love people on the day I gave my life to Jesus. So something was happening in this life that wasn't okay. I think I'd let a lot of what was going on out here maybe to affect me. And so today, I want to be a person that will find that place at the table that God has prepared for me because I want to host the presence more. I want his kingdom to come. I live for the gospel and I want to host the presence of God so that wherever I go, whenever I walk into a room, My life changes atmospheres. My life changes situations around. Something else I just remember is, yeah, this morning was um, I got up and I felt that a situation was quite dark and quite black. I don't see pictures, do I? And I and I sort of looked at this thing and I saw big doors. They were big, big doors. But, you know, when those doors were flung open, the light was amazing. And I thought, how does that, how on earth does that relate to anything I want to talk about? And I think clearly it does. Because I wonder if some of you 
need to fling wide the doors of your life that you've kept shut. Because some things I think we compartmentalize and we put them away and we think we'll leave them there until we get into circumstances that are really hard and there is no way of getting out of them. And God will deal with what he wants to deal with. He will, because he's on your side. You live for him. He's not going to leave you where you're at. And some of us have to go through the most intense of experiences because we're not vulnerable enough in his hands, because we're afraid of what might happen. Just remember that fear repels the presence of God. Just listen a minute. Bless you. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Father, there's so few of us here today, but Lord, I trust that your word is truth. Your word is true. Lord, you had a plan today that we would be the people that would sit in this place, in your presence, hear truth, hear how your truth sets us free. One touch from the king changes everything. And I pray today that we'll let you touch our lives, God. That God, right here where we are, where we're sat right now, that Lord will let you in to disappointment, to heartache, to even maybe even just a lack of faith and a lack of trust in you. I pray, God, that we'll wholeheartedly choose to run after you. That we'll develop good ears to hear you, Holy Spirit, when you speak. I pray, God, because of what you're doing in our individual lives here now, that, yeah, we're so few, but this few can make such a difference, such an impact on a home, on a neighborhood, on a town, on a city. Lord, I thank you that it only takes one cry, help, and you come. God, I pray that every life in this room will allow you to touch them, their heart, their mind, deep in their soul and their spirit. God, we would make choices to be people true to your word, that we would have hearts that want to glorify you, that that's all we live for, to glorify you, that you would be known in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our universities. That when we walk in rooms, we change atmospheres because of the determination to hear you and obey you. But most of all, Lord, to take a seat at the table that you have prepared for us. And Lord, help us to determine not to let the enemy at that table. Father, I realize over this week something that I think I've understood. And that is, Lord, to 
really follow you, it takes a determination. A real determination, a perseverance. A discipline to do what is right. And Lord, then I think the evidence will be that our lives will impact the world for good, for you, and for your glory. In Jesus' name.